she remembered looking at Elizabeth saying, what's going on? Why, why are you fully clothed? And she said, oh, you know, there was a lot of blood. And so I had a change of clothes and changed them. So, well, where's, where's the baby? Where's your husband? What's happening? She said, oh, my husband's on the way up with the baby. And what? Laura said, well, Matt and husband are up there. We, we haven't seen him at all. And that, you know, I'm sure for Laura was when things started to kind of piece themselves together, like there's something seriously wrong here. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. My husband and I have four beautiful kids through adoption. This show started as a radio program in Denver, and we just started telling adoption stories from the perspective of the adoptee, birth parent, and adoptive parents. It's now grown into the international podcast you hear today. If you go to adoptionnow.com, you can find a story for you. We have episodes on foster care, domestic infant adoption, embryo adoption, and international adoption. So here we are in season five. Yay! Adoption Now is talking about real issues that are happening right now in our adoption community. Today, oh my goodness, we have a story for you. But first, really quick, if you're about to start your adoption journey or you need help in the process, we can connect you to the resources you need. We have agencies, therapists, and lawyers that can help you. Again, just go to adoptionnow.com. Okay, guys, this story is going to blow your mind. When Matt and Laura applied to be on the show, I actually got the email while standing in line for the teacups at Disneyland. I'm I'm not kidding. I guess it's Disney World. We were in Florida. And my husband hands me the phone and he goes, you have to read the story. I'm like, right now in line? He's like, yes, you have to read it. So I'm reading it and I literally felt so sick that this could happen to somebody that I turned to my husband and I said, I'm going to be sick before we even get on the teacups. (laughs) He was laughing. He's like, I know. He's like, you have to have them on the show. So here we are. I can't believe the story. Maybe you have heard it. It made national news. It all started when a couple from California were having infertility issues. After six rounds of treatment, they finally had one son. They wanted another child and could not have dreamed what would happen next. Matt and Laura, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, April. Oh, your story. Thank you for having us. Yes, Matt. I'm so glad that both of you are here and you're going to talk about it because it's a great story to warn people so that they don't have to go through what you guys went through. Let's talk about... Your son is born, and you decide, okay, he's six years old at the time when you decided you wanted to pursue adoption? So he was about three when we decided to start trying for another child. Actually, we tried three more rounds of infertility treatments, and we had miscarriages and no luck. But along the way, we had gone to orientations for adoption agencies, and we just couldn't afford to do both. But after the failed attempt, the sixth round, we decided we would take a different route and try adoption. And we never could have imagined what would happen, like, on the road with adoption. It's really such a hard process. And I think it's even harder than the IVF yes. ever was. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. I mean, it is such a journey. And so you guys did get matched to an agency at first, right? We did get matched with an agency at first, and things with that with them didn't work out. So we decided to take matters into our own hands. And um, I created a website called A Sibling for Hudson. And we started to market ourselves, just looking to connect with a birth mom. But we wanted to also make it clear that we, you know, we had a lawyer on standby and we were willing to use an agency once we connected with someone. But it was such a huge financial commitment to sign with an agency at first. 
Right. Okay. So you guys were going to find your own match. Yeah. Yes. So how long before birth mothers, did they start applying or reaching out to you? Yeah, we had birth mothers reach out almost immediately after we put the site up. It really was pretty wonderful. The, you know, the power of, of sharing and social media. So we connected with someone right away and we talked with a couple birth moms early on and it just, it didn't work out with them. So it was about three or four months later that we connected with the birth mother that is involved in this story. I thought it was interesting that several people had contacted you and you said that you didn't choose them because of certain situations. Why did you choose this one? Adoption is a difficult journey for everyone involved. And, you know, obviously with as long of a process it is, you look for some sort of normalcy. And so the birth mothers that we connected with early on, as I'm sure is pretty common in the adoption industry, just had a lot going on that with a son already in our lives, we kind of were looking for something a little more normal. So there were some pretty drastic situations with, you know, a birth mother that had a husband that committed suicide or, you know, someone who had a husband that was in jail. So those were just kind of overwhelming situations to get involved with. And so the woman we did end up connecting with had a family she wasn't planning on getting pregnant. She had a husband. It just seemed like a, a normal, stable situation that we really were craving at the time. Didn't you feel like normal, stable situation means that she probably won't place? It's hard to answer that because I think every birth mom is going to go through those moments when they're like, are we doing the right thing? You know, mm-hmm. this is so hard to decide or you, you know, make a decision like this. But we really had no idea. I mean, she... Her explanations seemed feasible, all of her explanations. They just didn't have room for it. They wanted to focus on their careers. They already had two kids. So financially, they didn't want to take on another child. And they just wanted the perfect family to raise her, just a loving family. And it was going to be an open adoption. So we, you know, we'd always be a part of each other's lives. And it seemed feasible to mm-hmm. us. Yeah, that makes sense to I me. Think having, I think having two kids already of her own in a way, sort of reassured us a little bit as mm-hmm. opposed to a, a birth mother that this was her first child. And, you know, you never know how holding that baby in, in her arms for the very first time ever, how she would react to that, you know? So having two kids of her own, she knows that feeling already. And that kind of reassured us a little bit. Okay. So you get matched. How did you make that connection? You reached out to her and you said, this sounds great. Yeah. So she messaged us on Facebook and then we started talking really frequently, getting to know each other and hearing her story. She heard our story and we just started talking every day for hours every day. And it wasn't long before she said, I think you're the perfect family for my baby girl. And I would love it if you would adopt her. I remember telling my sisters that she felt like a sister to me as our relationship grew. She just seemed so loving and wonderful. We got along really, really well. How far along was she? She was five months along when she first reached out to us. Okay. And so you liked her. You really liked her. Matt, did you like her? Yeah. Laura was was talking with her for the most part because they instantly had a connection. Laura's really empathetic and... Like she said, she felt like she was 
almost like a sister. And so they got along really well. They were talking all the time. You know, I we did a video call where I was able to, you know, sort of meet her as, as close to face to face as possible. Yeah, I did like her from what I heard from Laura and, and, you know, read about her. You know, she seemed, like we said, stable and normal and, and really doing this for her the right reason. Where did she live? She lives in Nicholsville, Virginia. Okay, so did you travel to meet her? Yes. So we spoke on the phone for pretty hours every day, and we decided we would plan a trip for me to go out and meet her in person. I felt like it was a great connection, but just wanted to make sure, and I felt like face-to-face was the best way to do that. So we planned on me going out there the first week of November, which I did. That was a big trip for us because we had something planned every day. We took pictures together. Those are the pictures you see all over social media, professional photos. We met with a lawyer. She signed a power of attorney giving us rights to make medical decisions for baby girl when she was born. And we went shopping for a going home outfit. I mean, oh my we gosh. spent almost every waking hour together on my visit. And so the only thing that I didn't get to do was meet the doctor, which I was, I was kind of, that was a red flag for me. But her explanation, again, seemed feasible. When she got in there, she just got really scared. And the doctor didn't think she needed an ultrasound that day. And the doctor was really busy, so she did, didn't really have time to talk. And um, so that was one, one disappointment that stood out that trip. But overall, I was really happy with the trip. Did she look pregnant? She did look pregnant. I mean, her body type is one where it would be hard to tell. And to me, she looked like she could be pregnant, yes. Okay. So that's kind of a flag to me. Although, you know what? Some flags are not flags. And it's really hard to say this is not going to work or this is going to work. But if she's that close with you that she'll take pictures and you're going everywhere together, you've talked on the phone and then she won't let you into the doctor's appointment. I mean, that is so strange, right? You Did you think at that point yes. that she was hiding something? So after that happened, when we left the doctor's office, I was about ready to come home back to California. I was really disappointed because that was one of the main reasons I went out there. Mm-hmm. But what happened next really changed my mind. And that was that we just I drove her back to her car and we ended up sitting in the rental car for hours talking, really opening up with each other. Uh, We were both in tears, you know, and she just seemed so distraught about this decision, just really struggling with it. And I think at one point I tried to convince her to keep the baby, but she was just adamant that she really wanted us to, to adopt the baby. She knew this was the best route, even though it was hard. And I just thought, you know, every birth mom must go through these feelings. It's such go back and forth on it. So, again, I opened up and I told her things I really have don't tell anybody else. And she opened up with me. And then I was like, okay, well, this is understandable. She's a birth mom. She has a right to all these feelings. I was just really empathetic for her, just what she was going through. Um, Right. I mean, that makes sense to me. Even though I should have trusted my gut, I didn't. I just felt for her at that time. Right. And you had a connection. And so you were sharing these things and you're thinking, well, maybe she just, she wasn't ready yet. And that's fine. You don't want to push a birth mother. I have a question about the lawyer. And this happens a lot. When you're adopting, you should have your agency or lawyer sign paperwork 
that you are allowed to get medical paperwork before the baby's born. Like you're privy to that. It doesn't always happen because sometimes a birth mother says no, but the agency or lawyer should be getting that paperwork signed so that even if you don't go to doctor's appointments, you're still getting ultrasound pictures. You're still getting updates. You can call the doctor and say, hey, I'm adopted mom. If you look in the paperwork, there should have been a release sent to you. And I would like to know how the last appointment went. And they can give you that information. And did that lawyer do that for you? That was the thing with this lawyer. So we had a discussion about that with him. I remember specifically asking him, okay, we've, we've had a couple red flags and, you know, we just want to get some confirmation. What can we do to reassure ourselves that we're entering into this situation with all the information that we can possibly have? And I remember specifically him telling us, there's nothing that we can do until the baby's born. I pushed for proof of pregnancy and he said, uh, that's not something that we can do. And that, that kind of frustrated me. And, and, you know, we, we got the doctor's information and we tried to get in touch with the doctor, but never got a call back from the doctor at all, just got nurses and things like that. So that was really frustrating for us. But again, adoption, you know, as you know, is, is a pursuit of, of the heart and not the head. And right. while you're, you're hearing these things at the same time, you're drawn by a sense of, like, you want this to be real. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you want to not push the birth mother and make them do anything that might push them away. So it's a hard balance. Mm-hmm. Where she lives, there aren't a lot of lawyers available for adoption. So it was tough even finding him. And I know that his office doesn't specialize in adoption, but it's listed clearly listed on their website that they do handle adoptions there. But when we were looking into agencies there too, there just really wasn't very much mm-hmm. where she lives. Since then we've learned obviously that we have a right to proof of pregnancy, as right. you said, you know, and it's something that through this process that that we've learned, but it was just very frustrating at the time. Proof of pregnancy is so, so important. And of course you guys didn't know. And a lot of people don't know. In fact, I'm looking at the studio right now and I have all these eyes looking at me. They're looking like, what, what, what is proof of pregnancy? Listen, if you are starting your process, get proof of pregnancy. I don't care how much you like the girl. I don't care how much the lawyer's like, no big deal. Get proof of pregnancy. You want to know she's really pregnant and you have the right to know that any agency and any lawyer, any good lawyer is going to get that right away. In fact, most of them don't even match until they have that paperwork. So just right off the bat, I just want to teach people that you have to get that information and also find out if you can get that paperwork that releases the medical records to you right away. Most agencies and lawyers are getting that as well. And so that you can be on track with the mother and with the child. Those things are really important. Now, I understand the desperation that you guys were in and a lot of families are there. I totally get that. And you like this girl. So you want to be friends with her. You want to love her. You realize that she's needy as well. So you want to be those people for her. I mean, honestly, you guys went so far above and beyond what most adoptive parents would do. You guys are so kind and out of the kindness of your heart, you're like, yes, we will be willing to adopt this whole situation. We will be willing to take care of this woman and all the other stuff didn't matter. Right. And plus, you you know, know, a lawyer should be doing that too. Yes. And, and, you know, since then, we've been in contact with a few more birth mothers, 
And, you know, we've immediately asked, like, okay, here's a proof of pregnancy form. Can you please bring this to the doctor? And we need to protect ourselves. And those women have all fizzled out after we've sent that, you know, so just more proof how important that is. And the reason why you want to be connected to the doctor is because there are women who even send out fake ultrasounds. They will send proof of pregnancy and they will cover up. I mean, we've had it happen before. They cover up the name. So what you want is next step. You want to talk to the doctor's office, a nurse, someone, because you want to know, hey, is this real or what's going on? Is she really pregnant? I mean, I know it sounds really gritty to have to do that, but we are living in a day and age where adoption has changed, right? It's kind of a place of desperation. It's not necessarily, hey, we're adopting just out of the goodness of our heart because we have these religious beliefs or there are lots of orphans, which there are, and people are doing that. But now it's become, this is the only way we can grow our family. And because of that, listen, it's a $14 billion industry. 14 billion. When we started the show, it was 12. Now it's 14. That means that one in every 10 couples cannot conceive. And so what does that do? It makes the price for adoption go up and the desperation go up. And there are a lot more scams. So I'm telling you, if you're starting your process, you got to get gritty. You got to get thick skin and you have to ask really uncomfortable questions. You just do because you don't want to be in the situation that we're talking about right now. And everybody's like, what's going to happen next? Okay. So you go back home and you're feeling okay. You didn't get to see, you know, the doctor, but you're still talking to her every day. And this is November. 2018? This is November. Yes. Okay. I was 100% emotionally invested in her mm-hmm. and her needs. So when I returned home, yeah, we continued talking and she actually was having some struggles. She was going through some preterm labor symptoms. She was having contractions and she said that she went in and the doctor said she was three centimeters dilated and they had to put in a cerclage to stop the labor from happening. And so we were really concerned because she was so early on in the pregnancy still. So we were concerned for her and the baby. Just as the weeks came closer to the holiday, she was, well, she had us convinced that she was really struggling with contractions and they put her on bed rest. So Thanksgiving week was really a turning point because she was done. She wanted to be done with the pregnancy. She didn't want to go through this experience of having these contractions and then have to give up the baby at birth too. That was really a lot for her. And so she just wanted us to come out. She said that the doctor said that the baby's lungs were developed enough and the they doctor did, they said and they did an amnio and everything looked good. And the doctor said she was willing to take the cerclage out since the baby seemed okay. And it would damage her cervix if she kept it in much longer. So Thanksgiving week, we kind of hustled. We changed our airline tickets twice to get out there to her sooner. I flew out to her the day after Thanksgiving, which was a Friday. And then Matt and Hudson came out the day after me. So we were all there and we thought we were going to be meeting our daughter, who we had named Noella at this point. So we were so excited and we get out there and we start spending time with her. And while we were with her, she's having visible pain from contractions, we were pretty much taking care of her, like waiting on her and, and getting her drinks and feeding her. And Wait a second. You know, I remember covering... Where is her husband in all this? 
So her husband has not been in the picture yet. We spent a lot of time with her and her kids, but she explained that her husband was so distraught, even though he knew this was the right choice for them, uh, giving up the baby was the right thing, but he was really distraught about it and he didn't want to be our friends. He just was having a really hard time with it. So we thought that was feasible again. But when you went to our house, like there were pictures of a husband, right? I mean, you really got the sense there was a husband around. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I know he travels a lot for work, but yeah, I had no red flags when I went to her house. Yeah. And we we spent time with her kids. You know, we took them all out for, for meals. You know, our son played with their kids at their house. I remember they got, uh, the kids got in our rental car where we had like, you know, the baby seat ready and, you know, some baby clothes and stuff like that. And, and I remember specifically one of her kids saying, oh, is that for the baby? And so any, you know, any doubt that we, you know, lingering doubt or concerns that we had, we're like, oh, okay, the kid is mentioning the baby, I guess they must know. I mean, because you can't come right out and ask the kids. So what do you feel about your mom giving your brother or sister up for adoption? You know, so hearing their kids say that was like, oh, okay, their kid obviously knows about this. So you wouldn't suspect that she's lying to her kids as well, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah, of course. You're like, well, the, the children know she's pregnant. Did you think it's kind of a little weird that the husband's not there? Or did you buy the story? Okay, well, he doesn't want to be a part of it. We did think it was a little weird, but, you know, again, there was that emotional aspect of it, trying to be supportive and, and recognizing that, hey, if I was in that situation, we felt ourselves saying that a lot, if I was them, would I really want to be friends with the people that I'm giving my baby over to? And and I could understand that to a certain extent. We were definitely concerned that we hadn't met him yet, but there were assurances like, okay, you'll meet him at the hospital. Don't worry, he'll be there. So ultimately we knew that, you know, come time when it was, when it was time for it to happen, that we would meet him and be able to, to make that connection. But yeah, we did have concerns about that. Was there any pre-paperwork about him? Did he have to sign anything? Was your lawyer concerned? So there was our lawyer that he in California to was trying yeah. to reach him. Okay, so your yeah. lawyer's trying to reach him. The lawyer on the other side, what was he saying about birth dad? He wasn't saying much at this point. He was just saying when she went into labor, let him know, and he would meet us at the hospital. Okay, so some states let the birth father sign a pre-agreement, like, yes, I'm on board with this as well. It doesn't yeah. sound like that was happening or there even being no introduced. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're at the house. You're taking care of her. You're bringing her drinks. You guys yeah. are close and friends. You feel like everything's okay. When was she due? She wasn't due until February. Oh, my gosh. So okay. This was at the end of November. So, again, we were really concerned about baby girl and uh, if she would be okay. But the MEO showed she was okay. The doctor was reassuring her, so we thought. So everything seemed like she would probably have to spend some time in the NICU, but she seemed healthy overall. So we were worried about her, but we were also, I guess, praying for her to be okay. And we thought, we'll trust the doctor and the doctor thinks she's okay. So, you know, let's go and be there for this, for this birth. And what were your friends and family saying? So our friends and family were so supportive and so excited for us and they just wanted constant updates. And over that week, we were there. Uh, Hudson played with her kids a lot, and they got along well. So we were like, you know, we took lots of pictures. We were so excited that they got along because 
again, we wanted to be extended family with them. Mm-hmm. That was the plan. It was going to be an open adoption. So we're always going to be a part of each other's lives. And so it just seemed like, you know, our kids got along. We got along. It seemed really, really good. So then Wednesday came around. I had gotten there on Friday. Matt and Hudson had gotten there on Saturday. Wednesday came around, and um, on Monday, she had had the surclage removed, or so she told us. And so the doctor said it could happen quickly after that. What's a surclage? Am I saying that right? What's a surclage? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We had to look that up as well, and that's kind of one of the things. There was so much specific information she was giving us, Mm -hmm. in addition to ultrasound photos and video of her belly. You know, like, there were so much specifics that that we we thought, oh, okay, this it would just further reinforce that we were we were okay. So surclage oh. is stitches to basically keep uh, the okay. baby from coming out early. Okay, so she had to be on bed rest then as well. Yes. But she could be on bed yeah. rest in her home. So she had the surclage removed on Monday morning and then she came right to where we were staying and she spent the day with us. And like I said, she was visibly uncomfortable, kind of moaning and groaning every time she had a, a contraction. And so we cooked her meals and fed her and stuff. And then by the time Wednesday came, no, nothing had happened. She was still having contractions, but she wasn't going into labor or anything. And so we said, well, you know, baby girl isn't ready to come yet. And that's good. You know, you should, you should carry her as long as you can for the baby's sake. And so we're, we're going to head home because... You know, Matt's missing work and Hudson's missing school, but we'll come back when the baby is ready to be born. So at that point, she didn't really want us to leave, but we assured her that we would come back when the baby was ready to come. And then that night, she texted me uh, blood in the toilet, pictures of blood in the toilet, and said she thought it was her bloody bloody show. And so she was going to have her husband bring her in. This was late at night, and so... We're like, okay, well, I can meet you. You know, she was like, it's okay, it's late. I'm just going to go. We'll see what the doctor says, and I'll call you if they think the baby's going to come. So we're like, okay, so her husband's going to bring her. So, what's the date? Let's see. This was Wednesday, November 27th. Before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving? This was after Thanksgiving, the week after Thanksgiving. Okay. Okay. So then she, she texted a little while later and said that the doctor said it was indeed her bloody show and that she was now five centimeters dilated and 50% effaced. And the doctor had said they should go back home and get their stuff ready and then come back the following morning and they would give her an epidural and break her water and then baby girl would be born. So we were so excited. We went to bed that night, you know, just so grateful and thinking that we were going to meet our daughter the next day. Were you like, Um, this is weird that she said bloody show. Like these are terms that most people do not use. Yeah. Well, she had had two other kids. So it seemed seemed like like she she knew what she was doing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what happens next? Starting at, at about 7 a.m., you know, we were up really early trying to get everything ready. And, um, you know, about 7 a.m., she messaged Laura uh, that uh, she and her husband were going to rush to the hospital because, you know, I think she texted pictures of bloody sheets and she's basically saying the baby's coming. So they started rushing to the hospital in their car as she's having contractions and basically in labor in the car. And so at this point, uh, Laura actually talks to her on the phone and she is going through labor 
pretend labor, be it on the phone with Laura. Laura's helping her with breathing, breathing like Lamaze, you know, helping her, reassuring her it's going to be okay, which is just crazy to think about after the fact. What? Oh, okay. Yeah, she was screaming. She was saying, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. The baby's coming. Oh, my God. What do I do? Oh my, and I was like, just try and stay calm. Breathe. You're, you know, you're going to get to the hospital. It's going to be okay. Do you have anything in the car you can wrap the baby with? She was like, yeah, I have a towel. I was like, okay, good. So just grab that just in case, you know, like, and if you put your hand on there, can you feel the head or anything? So I was kind of just trying to keep her calm and just doing the best I could with her giving giving birth in the car or so I thought. Um, And then the next thing you know, she's saying, okay, Brian, you know, was able to pull in front of this ambulance and get them to pull over. What ambulance? Um, So we're... Like they just saw an ambulance? So I guess so. Supposedly at this point, I was just so like excited and above the moon about the baby that I was like, I didn't even think anything of it at the time. Um, But yeah, they had seen an ambulance ambulance and somehow got the ambulance to pull over. And she was going to take go in the ambulance. And so we were so grateful that now she had the help of paramedics, you know. So she got into the um, ambulance. And, of course, we should have seen this. But she was like, she texted a few minutes later and said, we're going to go to this other hospital because it has a NICU. And I was like, oh, that's fine because we had actually toured that hospital. Her and I went and toured the hospital with the NICU that past week when we were all there. So we left the hospital where she was going to give birth and headed over to the other hospital. So you guys had, you had flown from California to Virginia with your son to get this baby. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. I I have to stop. I have to stop. I'm sure your son, I know I'm like, my heart is breaking because we were in a situation like this with our son and it was very, uh, everybody wants to know this question right now in your story because their head is swirling. Like, what is happening? Were you guys paying her? I mean, was she getting money as a birth mom? And and that's totally fine. It's what birth moms, you know, can have. You can take care of them and pay for expenses. Were you paying for her expenses? We never gave her a single cent. What? No. Okay, so she's not getting any money from you. To the baby. We took her out to meals. Right, right. We fed her. We we bought her gifts. So we've we've spent money on her and the trips and all that, Mm -hmm. but we did... She didn't ask us to give her personal. You weren't paying for her house payment or no, which, no. which was okay. another reassurance, for right? Us, right, because how could it be a scam if she's not asking us for anything? Right. Okay, so you take your son, you go to this other hospital. So we go to this other hospital and we run up to the labor and delivery floor, and I recognize some of the nurses there because we had toured it, and so I told her, you know, Elizabeth is giving birth in the ambulance right now. She's on her way. The baby's going to need, probably going to need the NICU. So, you know, all the nurses jump into gear at this hospital. They get the incubator out. A bunch of people are waiting right near the elevators for this baby girl to come up, thinking that she's going to get there any second. You know, Matt's giving them our insurance information and the power of attorney that Elizabeth had signed. And we're just, we're ready. We're ready to meet our daughter. And we're just so excited. We shot like a little video that day and took all kinds of pictures while we were waiting. And then the wait just seemed to be getting longer and longer. And she was telling me that, you know, they were in the ER and she had to deliver the placenta, but baby girl was going to be on her way up to the NICU. So we're like, okay, well, any second now. So we waited and still no baby. 
after a few minutes, I was like, Elizabeth, what is going on? We're waiting right near NICU with the nurses and the incubator, and there is no baby. She was like, well, I don't know why they're not there yet, just continuing with it. And so at one point, the nurse was like, well, let's take the incubator and go down to the ER and see what's going on. These are really nice nurses, by the way. They were incredible. They were. They were all fooled as well. They were, yeah. Okay, so, so you're um, running I go down, down with about three three nurses. We go down to the ER. Everybody's like, "There's nobody with that name that's been delivered here by ambulance." Oh and so the nurses start getting on the phone. They're calling other hospitals with NICUs to see if maybe you know she just was confused about what hospital she was going to. So they're calling other hospitals. Nobody has heard of this woman. Um, nobody has her. So. We're just, I didn't even know what I was thinking. I think I was starting to realize what was happening and maybe I was going into shock. I was just kind of standing there, like watching everything happen with all these nurses trying to figure things out. Did you think maybe Um, she had the baby and she changed her mind and couldn't tell you? Like, was that where your first thought went? At this point, I'm not sure what I was thinking. I was just kind of trying to figure out what was happening, you know? At one point, one of the nurses came and said, okay, there is an Elizabeth Jones here. But she checked herself in for back pain. She's not pregnant. We said, okay, well, that, I'm sure that's a pretty common name. So we continued to look. And, and at one point, one of the nurses suggested, okay, well, maybe we should just go check on this Elizabeth just to make sure. And so Laura went with a couple of the nurses into this room and pulled back the, the curtain, you know, like the Wizard of Oz. And, and it's... It's our Elizabeth is sitting there and, and fully clothed. And, you know, I'm upstairs with my son. So Laura's going through this. And she told me she remembered looking at Elizabeth and saying, what's going on? Why, why are you fully clothed? And she said, oh, you know, there was a lot of blood. And so I had a change of clothes and changed them. So, well, where's, where's the baby? Where's your husband? What's happening? She said, oh, my husband's on the way up with the baby. And... Mm-hmm. What? Laura said, well, Matt and Hudson are up there. We, we haven't seen him at all. And that, you know, I'm sure for Laura was when things started to kind of piece themselves together, like there's something seriously wrong here. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah. So I was just, I remember I was like, I'm going to go out and talk to the nurses. And she didn't want me to leave her at that point. So she was yelling my name. And I just kept walking because I, I needed to find out more information. And so I went out to the nurses and I was like, what is going on here? I don't understand what's happening. I was just in complete shock. The case manager at the hospital was like, let me go and talk to her. So she goes back to talk to her and she comes back like five minutes later. And she's like, she's claiming she doesn't know you. She said she doesn't know who you are. And at that point I was like, are you kidding me? Because I have all of these pictures of our families together. You know, she signed this power of attorney uh, I have all of this evidence. I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of text messages and Facebook messages back and forth. So I was just like, you have to be kidding me. I was like, will you come back in there with me? And so the case manager was like, yes. So we went back in and I was just, I looked at her and I was like, how could you do this to us? How could you do this, you know, to our son? And she just stared at me. She stared at me with these eyes and I'll never forget them. I call them dead eyes because there was no emotion there. She didn't say a word. So I just said, you know what? This is going to come back around. You get what you give. And this is going to come back around. And I just laughed after that. I was 
I was in shock and I needed to get back to Matt and Hudson to let them know what was happening. How did Hudson respond? Yeah, we were upstairs, Hudson and I, in the NICU waiting room. And, you know, I, it was torture for me because obviously I knew something was wrong because the baby wasn't coming up. But, you know, Laura was busy dealing with all of this, so I had no idea what was happening. But I had, a, a, obviously, a very sickening feeling. And so she came up with no baby and with this look on her face. And, you know, I remember her saying, there's no baby. She's not pregnant. And we all just, you know, kind of had a moment together, the three of us, and, and hugged. And it was awful, you know, to see our son who is wearing a best big brother shirt Mm -hmm. and all of us just be disappointed in that moment that we'd worked so hard to reach. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was 10 years in the making. This is 10 years of perseverance and not giving up on our pursuit, our dream, you know, of completing our family and just wanting a sibling so badly for him. And, And we thought that dream was finally coming true after all the hard work and all the agony of miscarriages and failed attempts and just Mm-hmm. You know, this was heart-shattering for us, and our son was confused. He was in tears, and, you know, we had to explain to him, and I think it, it kind of took a piece of his innocence away that there are people out there like this that would hurt other people for no, you know, no apparent reason. And it's hard to explain to him because, you know, we don't understand it ourselves right. why she would do this. I mean, it's so different than when you go to the hospital and the birth mother chooses to parent, Right. This is like so wrong. It's like, why would somebody scam you like that? The whole thing was a scam. Why would you pretend that you were giving birth? Why would you send bloody, where was she getting these pictures from before her other pregnancies? I mean, was she downloading them from the internet? I mean, this is just so sick and twisted. Did you ever get an answer? Did you ever get an explanation? Or is she just crazy? No. And no, it's like, like she I catfished you. Said a word. She literally catfished you. And you don't think about a catfisher in adoption. You just don't think that yeah. somebody would be able to do that. But all she was getting out of the whole thing was your friendship. Was she lonely? I mean, so, so crazy. I guess. And, and, you know, she could have ended this at any point. You know, we gave right. her plenty of opportunities. As Laura mentioned, she tried to convince her to keep the baby. Like, look, you have a stable family. You this baby would be best with you. So you should keep it if you're having conflicted thoughts about it. You know, it gave her an out so many different times. And she could have even not shown up at the hospital at all. But she chose to check herself into the hospital where we were at and tell us where she was for the very purposes of seeing our pain. That's what what we feel that this was ultimately the grand scheme was attention and emotional infliction of pain, seeing it all come to a climactic conclusion for her. My gosh. You know, otherwise, to me, it seems like up? she had experience because the specifics she used in her right. stories, the circlage and telling us how much the baby weighed and how big the baby was going to be and just specifics that, you know, you wouldn't think of using. Did you press charges? Okay, so when we got back, we decided that we were going, we didn't want this to happen to other people. So we wanted her to be held accountable. Yeah. And we wanted to get the word out there to help protect other adoptive families from this sort of thing. So yeah, we got on the phone for two weeks. We were on the phone every single day calling anybody and everybody in that area. 
we called the sheriff's department, the probation office. Little did we know, April, that she was on probation that whole time wearing an ankle bracelet <gasps> for credit card fraud, which we had no idea because she, it was cold out. Mm-hmm. So she wore boots. She always had boots on and so did I because it was cold out. Mm-hmm. But her first charge was violating the good behavior clause of her, her probation. And so that was brought against her within the first few months after it happened. And then on Thursday, March 3rd, um, nine felony indictments were also handed down on her. And those were for obtaining money under false pretenses. So things like, like money we spent on her for gifts and bringing her out for meals, stuff like that. So nine of those. And um, this past week, she had a plea deal. She pled not guilty. So it will go to trial, and there's going to be two separate trials right now. One at the end of June, and that one is going to be for the nine felony counts. And then one at the end of July, and that will be for the probation violation. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so people should be warned that you can't get away with this. So it's important to us that other adoptive families or or anyone that's going through emotional abuse are not put through what we have suffered and... And if they are, people should be held accountable. Adoption fraud is a growing crime, and most families remain silent, but we've chosen to speak out in the hopes of protecting other hopeful adoptive families out there. Absolutely. um, Yes. So we want a precedent to be set here that you can't treat people like this and get away with it. Right. You cannot take advantage of an adoptive family. And, you know, it's important to bring your story to light because... As adoptions are increasing because infertility is increasing, and I always say this, we need to have the standard higher. We need to know that this can happen to you. Um, What is your one message that you want to say to other families? There are 2 million people out there, hopeful adoptive families, Mm -hmm. that would pretty much do anything to add to their family and, and really want, have the love to give, you know, have so much to share and just want this so badly. And I would just want to get out to them to be careful and and do your homework, get that pregnancy verification. And I even didn't know about this, but Facebook adoption scam groups are out there and they, they are so helpful. Now that I found them, you can go on, you can search for a woman's name and see if anybody else knows her just in case. And a lot of times they, they put them into two categories, either financial scammers or emotional scammers, and sometimes both. So I think that's a really good resource to have. Have a lawyer, get involved with an agency if you can, just guard your heart and look for red flags and definitely trust your gut, mm-hmm. your gut instinct. That's so good. Thank you guys for coming on the show. I really appreciate you telling this really hard story. I know you were out thousands of dollars. Do you think you'll try to adopt again? This? dream is still on my heart, still on our heart. And so I think we will continue to pursue this because I really believe there's a child out there that's meant to be a part of our family. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to let what Elizabeth did ruin, ruin that for us. Um, and we do have a profile on the website called Adoption for My Child right now. So we will see what comes of it. If we can find a good match, then uh, we are open to it. Mm-hmm. I really believe that your baby is out there. And I, I just appreciate you guys taking the time to tell your story. And I I do want to encourage you that you guys are a very strong family, first of all, and awesome parents. And you went above and beyond as adoptive parents. I think birth moms that are even listening to this are thinking, oh my gosh, if my 
adoptive parents even did half of that, it would have been amazing. So what you guys did is exactly the right thing as far as taking care of her and being a part of her story. That's what we encourage families to do. And so I don't want you guys to feel like, oh my gosh, should we go over the top? No, we want that in adoption. We want open adoptions, right? We want to be a part of the birth parents' family and extended family. And so I really hope you find that match very quickly. Oh, thank you so much, April. And thank you for thank letting you. us share our story. We just really want to help protect other other hopeful adoptive families out there. Yes. And once again, this is Matt and Laura Trait, and they are all over. If you Google their name, you'll see the picture she's talking about where she flew in and took this picture with Elizabeth and all of these things. You'll read the stories. I mean, you guys are getting a lot of publicity and it's really good to teach other people about these scams. Thank you so much, April. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and remember all of our podcasts are available at our website at adoptionnow.com. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.